service, you really fully understand how important that, that statement is, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. On Friday, we had Good Friday service, and as usual, we, 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 looked, we looked in the scriptures, especially at the crucifixion, how Jesus died, and, and this year we looked from John's eyes, the Apostle John, what it would have been like to, to not just be a follower of Jesus, but to be a close friend, to watch your friend die in such a way. We, we did the candles, we put them out, and that's why there's only one candle lit this morning, because that is the Christ candle, that, that Christ is no longer snuffed out, but he is risen, he is alive, the light of the world is among us once again. But we, we all need to answer a question this day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though a man may die, he will live. And if he lives, he will never die. Do you believe this? Amen. This is what he said to Mary. You need to answer that question. Do you believe it? Everything in your life depends on this question. So we're going to turn now, after I pray, we're going to turn to the scriptures through John chapter 20 and, and discuss the the things that, that happened after his crucifixion, the resurrection. Let us pray. Abba Father, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks that you have risen, Lord, and we give you thanks that we're able to come and, and to worship you now, Lord. We know all throughout the world, every year, 90,000 of our brothers and sisters give up their life for your name, Lord. And we give you thanks that we live in a place and a time where we can come and freely worship your holy name. Let us never forget your great sacrifice. And above all, Lord, let us never forget that you are risen and that you send us now as the Father sent you. It's in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So please turn to John chapter 20. We're reading verses 1 through 18. When you're found your place, please stand for reading God's holy word. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. <coughs> and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Reading the word, you may be seated.
Has anyone ever told you something that, that sounds so ridiculous and amazing that it just simply cannot be true? I tell you, there's not a claim in the world more audacious and bold than Jesus Christ coming back from the dead, that he is in fact resurrected. In the history of the world, there's never been a claim like it. And there won't ever be another claim like it. For it is truly the greatest claim in the history of the world. So I want to ask you today, do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of the Father? Yes. And a day is coming when the Father will tell him to get up and go get his bride. That he will return for his church. I want you to think what this means to you. What does it mean that Jesus was resurrected? It should mean a lot of different things. We'll talk about that a little bit. But as we did in front, I want to go back to the, uh, the tomb with, with Lazarus, that, that when Jesus called Lazarus out a little bit, we, we, we see some similarities here. But I want us to understand, uh, you and I, we have certain practices. When, when someone passes away, they'll, they'll go to a funeral home, and there'll be the embalming process, and, and there's coffins or cremations involved. That is, that is our process, how, how we, how we deal, deal with the dead. And we, we lower them into a grave or we'll put them into an urn. In ancient Egypt, they did, they did a process called mummification, where they would take out the organs and all that and set those in jars. So if somebody in Egypt were to tell you that they came back from the dead, it would be pretty hard to believe since they no longer had their organs. Their, their, their body's been mummified. It is very different. Now, in, in Rome and in Greece, it's not too much different than what we do today. They had the, the cremation process. They would, they would burn the body. And so if there was a, a claim of resurrection... It would be quite astounding because it was just ash that would be left. But, but the, the Jewish people, they had a completely different custom. They would, they, would take, uh, they would take the body and lay it on a tomb face up, and they would have the arms crossed like this. And they would wrap from the feet up, up to about here in linen. They, they would leave the, the chest bare with the arms, and up, up to the face, so about here would be bare. But they would put around his head, they would, they would put what, what we would uh, look at today similar to a turban. They would, they would wrap clothes around the, the, dead, the dead man's head. And I, w I want us to, to remember these things when we look at what John has described here. Because it, it is truly awe-inspiring of, of what John describes. When, when we, look and we look at this, we'll, we'll do a little bit of kind of the CSI and the resurrection to, to see why we have full assurance that the resurrection has happened. And if the resurrection has happened how that impacts our lives today, how it impacts your lives today. We, we read that, that when Jesus went to raise Lazarus, he had to tell them, where did you lay him? Remove the stone. See, the, the tombs that they would use are, were often caves. They, they, they would put the bodies in, they would cover them with these stones, because obviously with decaying bodies, there, there would be a bad odor and disease and things of that nature. So they did not want that out in the open. And so we see with Lazarus that the stone had to be removed. And as we look at Mary today, as she, as she approaches the tomb where Jesus' body had been put, what happens? She notices one thing and one thing only, and it makes her very sorrowful. She notices that the Lord's tomb, the stone has been removed and rolled away. Why would that bother her? Because she is thinking, she's wondering, you know, she has seen her friend, the, the one who, who healed her, the, the one who allowed her to be a disciple and to follow after him. She has seen him die a horrific death in crucifixion, being mocked. And then they, they lay him in the tomb. And so she goes to pay her respects like many of us do when loved ones pass away. 
What would you do if you were to go to your loved one's uh, gravesite right now and find that it has been opened, that they that all the dirt has been dug up? Would that make you very happy? <coughs> no, that, that would horrify you. They, that would send so much pain into your heart because they, they've defiled the tomb of your loved one. And that is what Mary thinks right here. And so she runs back as quick as she can, and she tells the disciples. We know it is Peter and John. John often refers himself to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he reveals that at the very end of his letter. So I have, I have no doubt that this is actually Peter and John here. And they, 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 they run, and they run after him. And when, we, when you read this, I want you to see a little bit of humor with John. John is the author of the Gospel of John, obviously. But, but he talks about that as they were running, that Peter and John, they both set out running. And what happens about halfway through? One disciple leaves the other one in the dust. Whether John was a younger man, we don't really know. But what we do know is John gets to the tomb first. And he sees the stone has been rolled away. He confirms what Mary has reported to him. But he does not go in. What does the scripture say? It says he saw that the linen cloths laying there. And the way he describes it is, it, it's literally like, the body of Jesus just vanished. The, the grave clothes, the wrappings are still in the exact spot that would have been on his body. If he, were, if he weren't actually dead and just would have uh, um, regained consciousness again, the, the bandages he would have had to unwrap and fold them up. The, the one that is described as folded is what was on his head, a cloth very much like a turban. And so when John sees this, he stops and he's in amazement. Now at this point, Peter is caught up. And Peter goes into the tomb. And Peter looks. And we don't see that Peter believes here. What does the scripture say? It says, and then John went in also. And seeing all this, he believed. The apostle John is the first one to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It is an amazing thing to see, to think about. But why doesn't Peter? Why doesn't Peter believe? Because he, he is in such a state of shock. You know, when, when uh, the word that they use in the Greek for when, when Peter views is, is like he's looking in a theater, like when we go to the movies. He's just, he's just taking it all in. He's like, what have they done with the body? But with John, he noticed the, the clothes, and he believes that Jesus is risen. He remembers the words of Jesus that on the third day, the Son of Man will rise again. Jesus told us over and over in the Scriptures that he would rise again. The word in the Greek for saw that is used here is areo, which means to see with understanding. Oftentimes, people will, will study, study the Bible or read the Bible, but they won't do it with a purpose of understanding. They won't do it with the purpose of studying. They're just doing it because that is a practice they have. I encourage you, whenever you look at the Word of God, to study it, as John did when he entered that tomb. I imagine John saying something like this, Peter, don't you see what has happened? We should be rejoicing our Lord is risen. He is risen. Jesus is alive. And that's what hits John. And I hope it hits your heart today. You know, all that that means. That the Son of God, that Christ, the Messiah, is alive forevermore. The only reason that we see today that the stone is gone is so that the disciples could see. Jesus didn't need to walk out of that tomb. It was for their benefit the stone is removed. Now there's, there's other testimonies besides John that I want us to, to look at. In the uh, Gospel of Matthew, 
we can see a lot of different testimonies going on. And, and you know, maybe some of us here, here doubt whether or not the resurrection happened. And I, I want to show you from many different sources of why we, we should never, ever doubt. The, the, there's, more, there's more reason to doubt that the, the earth is round than there is to doubt the resurrection of Jesus, evidentially speaking. We have in Matthew a Roman soldier. He was the one that was put in charge of watching over Christ as he's being crucified. He and his other men watched Christ being crucified. And at, at his death, there's a terrible earthquake. And the rocks split open. And as he sees Jesus die, these are his words. Truly, this was the Son of God. We could go to the temple, where those attending the temple saw even more amazing things. It's one thing to have an earthquake. It's another thing to have a man who claims to be the Messiah, who claims to be the Savior of the world, claims to be the Son of God, is crucified, and at the moment of his death, there's an earthquake that splits the temple. Literally, the temple of Solomon was split in half. And the veil was torn. The place where only the high priest could go on one day of the year, the place that is known as the Holy of Holies, was wide open. The, very, the place of the very presence of God was exposed for all to see. The priests, they would have torn their clothes. They, they, would have, they would have been in such shock and dismay that many of them committed suicide. Because they realized what they had just done. They murdered the Son of God. Why? Because of their hard hearts. Because they would not believe. They would not believe that He is the Messiah. They couldn't understand what God was doing. They mocked Him. As many of us in our lives have mocked Him at different points. The reality I've said before, the Romans didn't crucify Jesus. The Jews didn't crucify Jesus. You and I crucified Jesus. It's for our sins that He had to go to the cross. Make no mistake about that, what he was doing, what he was accomplishing on that cross. Even, even more amazing to me than the temple being torn is there's a report in Matthew that as these events happened, the very tombs were opened up and the saints of the Old Testament started appearing and glorifying God and giving testimony that the Son of God has been risen, that there is now victory for all those who believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? You have victory then. Think about it. And we, we watch watch movies and you know a lot of times we're skeptical. We see things like left behind with the rapture. I don't need to convince you of the rapture because Matthew already does that. He tells you as it's happened once that God has called people out of the tombs to give him glory. And then they are called up to heaven. These are the things that happen. Even more, there, there's a man named Clopas. He's on the road with a friend, another disciple of Jesus, to Emmaus. And he encounters, he doesn't realize that at the time, but he encounters the risen Christ. And he's saying, do you not know all the things that have happened in Jerusalem these last few days? The one we thought the Messiah was crucified. But now it's been three days. And we haven't seen him. And of course Jesus reveals everything that the Old Testament goes through from the time of Moses to that very day and shows them everything that must have happened to the Messiah. And their eyes were open when he came into their, their house and shared a meal and broke bread, and they realized it was him. I tell you with absolute certainty, ghosts do not break bread. Hallucinations do not break bread. <coughs> See the little things that are in Scripture that show you that they broke bread with a real man. They broke bread with the risen Lord. And that same risen Lord invites you to, to come and dine with him. 
Now I know that there, there are many skeptics around the world, and I want to show you a few other things. Psalm 22 perfectly describes how Jesus is crucified a thousand years before it would happen. That is amazing. That is a word of God from a prophet. But think about this. 300 years uh, after Psalm 22 is written, there is an invention that is made known as crucifixion. 300 years before crucifixion is even invented, King David writes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They tear my clothes. Over and over again, God has told us that this is happening. He has told us that his son is coming, that he was going to die for our sins so that we may have victory. We may have eternal life. Now, many of you, maybe, maybe you're, you're a skeptic or a doubter. You're not really sure if you trust the Bible of God's word. So I'm going to offer you up a, a few different modern-day uh, testimonies. The first one is from Gary Habermas. He's an American historian and distinguished research professor of apologetics and philosophy at Liberty University. He is by far considered to be the foremost scholar on the resurrection of Jesus. While researching the resurrection, he wrote these things. I recently completed an overview of more than 1,400 sources on the resurrection of Jesus, published since 1975. I studied and cataloged about 650 of these texts in English, German, and French. Some of the results of this study are certainly intriguing. For example, perhaps no fact is more widely recognized than that the early Christian believers had real experiences that they thought were the appearances of the risen Jesus. A critic may claim that what they saw were hallucinations or visions, but he does not deny that they were actually experienced something. There is a virtual consensus among scholars who study Jesus' resurrection that subsequent to Jesus' death by crucifixion, his disciples really believed that he appeared to them risen from the dead. Now maybe you say, well, that is an evangelical professor. He is a believer, so of course he has an interest in, in the resurrection. But here, here is an atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludemann. He is also a historian and, of course, an atheist. He wrote, It may be taken as historical certainty that Peter and the disciples had experience after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. Those are words of an atheist. A man that does not believe in God, but he says it is absolute certain that Christ rose from the dead. There are too many witnesses, too many historical accounts, too many records, not just the scriptures, but there are, are Greek records and Roman records and Jewish records. There's Egyptian records that declare Christ was risen from the grave. I want, want you to see what he, what he says. He says, it is a historical certainty that Peter and the disciples had experienced after Jesus' death, in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. There is no reason to doubt. Atheists do not doubt that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I would question how, how they remain an atheist. You know, it has often been said, when there's extraordinary claims, you need extraordinary evidence. When you have a claim like this, I don't tell you you need extraordinary evidence. You need an extraordinary God to make this happen. Men do not come back from the grave. Anyone here have ever met a man who has risen from the grave after three days? Sometimes you'll hear where people are dead for 20 minutes and our paramedics and doctors can, can shock them and revive them through CPR and things of that nature. Three days? Three days you are good and dead. You aren't coming back unless it is a work of God. So another one, Bart Ehrman is a distinguished uh, professor um, at the Religious Studies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He is an agnostic. 
about the resurrection of Jesus, he wrote, Historians, of course, have no difficulty speaking about the belief in the resurrection of Jesus, since this is a matter of public record. It is a historical fact that some of Jesus' followers came to believe that he had been risen from the dead soon after his execution. He goes on to write, We know some of the believers by the name. One of them, the Apostle Paul, claims quite plainly to have seen Jesus alive after his death. Thus, for the historian Christianity begins after the death of Jesus, not with the resurrection itself, but with the belief in the resurrection. He also wrote on a blog recently, The most important thing to stress is that there are two historical realities that simply cannot be denied. The followers of Jesus did claim that Jesus came back to life. If they had not claimed that, we would not have Christianity. So they did claim it more, but they did claim that they knew he rose precisely because some of them saw him alive again afterward. No one can doubt that. And we could go on and on. There's others like N.T. Wright and Chuck Colson. They live lives not believing in Christ, and then one day Christ got a hold of them, and they're people who study that were historians that, that study it, and know when they see a lie, know when they see the truth. I want you to think about, about something real quick. If we were to, to come up with something that we wanted to invent or some religion we wanted to come up with, and we started being persecuted, how many of us would be willing to die for that belief that we knew was a lie? Would you die for something you knew was a lie? No. These are 12 men who saw Jesus be resurrected. And they set the world on fire. The world has never been the same. They went out and they proclaimed Jesus is risen. And that he can save you from your sins. 11 out of those 12 met a martyr's death. They, they were killed in gruesome, horrible ways. The only one to survive was the Apostle John. And it's not that they didn't try. They tried to boil him alive in oil. Then they sent him to the island of Patmos to, to die. But he did not die because God kept him alive. So I've saved one, one more testimony for you, and I think it's the best. That's why I saved it for last. I want you to imagine being Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was known as a harlot. The scriptures record that she was possessed by seven different demons. She was not well looked upon by society. And maybe you feel that way today. The society looks down on you. Whatever, whatever the name, whatever the, the lifestyle she lived, people accused her of great sin. But she is, she is one the Lord appears to first. I want you to think about that. Jesus didn't appear to Peter and John first, his best friends and his apostles. He appears to Mary, the woman of ill repute, a woman that, that is known as being a harlot, a woman who is demon-possessed. Well, whatever you may be facing in this life, understand that Jesus loves you. And just like Mary, he wants to appear and have a relationship with you. He says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. You see, she has yet to believe that he has been risen. So we go on, we see her saying to Jesus, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. She's speaking with Jesus, doesn't even realize. Understand, when you see the glorified risen Christ, you will not recognize him. The apostles did not recognize him, for he has been glorified. But he, all he has to say is her name, Mary. And she says, Rabboni, teacher. She knows that it is him. And his heart, her heart is relieved because she knows that all is right with the world again. 
that, that her Messiah, her Savior, her Lord and God is alive. Yours is alive too. He calls out to your name. He's waiting for you to respond to him. As we, we looked, Jesus gives her a command. He says, go and, go and tell my brothers that I am sending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. That, that should point us back a little bit to the cross. You know, Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We talk about in Sunday school. When else did Jesus refer to his Father as my God? He always refers to him as Father. Except on the cross. What is happening there? There is a moment on the cross where there is separation between the Father and the Son. That the wrath of God is being poured out upon the Son. All the weight of our sin, all the, all the weight of what we've done is being poured out on Jesus. And this is hard to hear, but it is good news for you. It is good news for me. Because the reality is, is that Jesus went to the cross willingly. He took upon our sins, upon ourselves. And so when he says to her, I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God, he is saying, Mary, you now have the same relationship with the Father that I do. He told the, told the disciples that wanted to see the Father, you have seen me, therefore you have seen the Father. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And so as we look, I hope today you see that there's no doubt at all in the resurrection. It is an absolute assurance. So as I said earlier, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus Christ has been resurrected? First, and my favorite thing that it means is, it means that this is the very Word of God. It, it proves that this is the Word of God. Over and over in the Old Testament, long before Jesus came down to earth, it, it said He was coming. It said He was coming to take our place on that cross. It said that, that the Father would bring Him back after three days, the sign of Jonah. And He did bring Him back after three days. So when, when Jesus Christ is resurrected, it tells us that this is the Word of God. And if this is the Word of God, it means that Jesus is coming again. Amen? Amen. That should make you excited. That, that should give you great hope. It means that Jesus has victory over Satan. Jesus has victory over the demons. Jesus has victory over, the de over death and hell and Hades. Amen. It means you have victory over all those things as well. Because you are in Christ if you believe in Him. So you have that victory today. It, it means that while well, all the toil we go through in life and the hard working and all those things that, that we endure, the pain of losing a loved one, is just a temporary pain. Temporary as when the father and son were separated. There is a day coming where you will be with your loved ones again if they have believed and you have believed. There is victory for you. There is hope for you. That means a day is coming when this world will be judged and sin will be put to death forever. Amen. That there will be no more pain. It means there is a God who loves you. It means that there is a God who is going to wipe away all your tears. It means there is a God who will give you victory over your addiction. Victory over the sin in your life. Victory over everything. That means Christ is sovereign. That Christ is king. We do not serve a savior who is dead. Many religions will offer you a Savior, but they have not risen from the grave. They are all dead to this day. Christ and Christ alone is the one who has risen. It means Christ has established his kingdom, and he invites you to be part of it. He longs for you to come and enter in. Today is the day where you can come and know him. 
Today is the day where he calls your name out, as he did Mary's. So I pray that in just a moment we're going to play a final song and have our altar call. If this is the day you want to resp respond to the Lord and call him Lord, call him teacher, call him Messiah, God. If you want to make that happen this day, that's what Christ calls out for you. So I will invite you to come down when the music is played, and I will pray with you. I've said many times before, there, there is no magic in the words. There's no magic in these, these altars that, that we kneel down on. But what, what, it, what it is, salvation comes from the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. And you repent of your sins. You turn away from your former life, and you seek to follow Jesus. That is how salvation comes. That is how you're born again. That is what we desire this day. That is what Easter is every day. We come together and we come and we say he is risen because he is risen. And we have hope that we will be risen one day as well. We no longer have to fear hell. We don't have to fear death or any of that. So if God is calling you to this day, I, I pray you will come down as we play that music. Please pray with me. Father, Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks this day. I give you thanks for your holy word, Lord. I give you thanks for the resurrection of your son. For we know it's true. We have absolute certainty, Lord. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, Lord. I thank you for the time of fellowship and worship this day. I thank you for the family, the brothers and sisters that we have, Lord. We may not be related by blood, but we are related by your blood. And we thank you that you are willing to shed it for our sins. Thank you for being that lamb. Thank you for being the lion that is conquered, Lord. Come soon, Lord Jesus. In your holy name, amen.